breaking down the news, going beyond the headlines, and unpacking the stories that we're told. I'm James Matheson, and this is Today Week. The issue of climate change has been ever-present in our news cycle and political discourse for almost two decades now, and the science that underpins it has only become more and more solid. As a species, we're producing more and more carbon dioxide into our atmosphere, primarily through the burning of fossil fuels, and that carbon dioxide, along with other greenhouse gases, accumulates in the atmosphere, acting almost like an invisible blanket trapping heat from the sun and warming the earth, which in turn contributes to a range of potentially devastating knock-on effects to the planet. Dangerous heat waves, wildfires, droughts, more intense storms, coral bleaching, rising sea levels, desertification, and more frequent and more intense and more extreme weather events are all increasing on our watch. And without a change in tack, the outlook for future generations is pretty bleak. Every major scientific organisation on Earth is resolute on this. Yet opposition to taking real action from those in power and also a disturbing number of voters has been pretty unyielding. A combination of greed denial, tribalism and propaganda has really stymied genuine change. And one of the linchpins of that propaganda has been the Murdoch media empire. From Fox News and the Wall Street Journal in America to Sky News and The Australian and the Daily Telegraph and the Herald Sun here in Australia, Murdoch outlets have led an unending campaign of dissent, distortion and misinformation on climate and downplayed just how serious the situation we face really is. Now, shockingly, recent revelations demonstrate that as far back as 2006, Rupert Murdoch and his organisations were aware of the seriousness of man-made global warming and the threats that it presented. So much so that Murdoch himself and News Corp have been taking serious steps for the past 15 years to protect their business and their employees from a climate emergency it knows exists and knows that is getting worse while at the same time, while at the same time producing content and editorial and platforms that deny that very fact. It's it's a level of deceit and hypocrisy that is so gross that to call it criminal is probably being generous. Joining us to talk more about this absolute betrayal is investigative reporter Jeff Dembecki, who's written extensively on climate, including a recent brilliant expose on all of this in Vice. Jeff, great to have you on Todaily. 
Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Now, in your article, you talk about the fact that News Corp and Rupert Murdoch knew of the effects and and potentially catastrophic effects of man-made global warming as early as 2006. Why do you think all this is starting to come to light now? I mean, I've, I've been writing about climate change for a dozen years, and I've closely followed the way that Murdoch owned media outlets report on climate change, which is to say not that much at all. And when they do, it's usually pushing some sort of obstructionist or denial position. And so I was very surprised to learn that um, back in the late 2000s, Rupert Murdoch had changed seriously and even went so far as to say that it was going to be an editorial priority for the entire company. Around that time, Rupert Murdoch said, you know, something to the effect of we can lower our own carbon footprint, but it'll be way more effective if we can lower the carbon footprint of our audience by convincing them that climate change is a big deal. So I saw an interview that Rupert Murdoch gave about this um, in 2007. And, and when I was reading that interview recently, it just, it almost felt like a parallel universe. I, I couldn't believe that the person responsible for like Fox News and the kind of like climate denialism in outlets like the Australian and Wall Street Journal um, had at one point taken the crisis so seriously. And so that, that's what kind of got me started on, on looking into the, the reasons for this and why the company ended up playing such a different, more more unproductive role, we can say, um, than, than Rupert Murdoch had made it seem like they might play 15 years ago. So there weren't just outward comments. There was actual internal action that they wanted to move towards. You wrote in your article that he even organised a, a screening of The Inconvenient Truth for some of his staff members at News Corp, which had mixed responses, but it really felt like there was a moment in time there where this felt like not just a priority, but something that was going to be part of the editorial direction of News Corp. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think there, there are a few reasons why all that happened. One was that at the time in the late 2000s, climate change was becoming an increasingly mainstream issue. So you had like Al Gore doing his film, An Inconvenient Truth. And a lot of, you know, mainstream conservatives were sort of realizing, oh, we've, we've got to have some sort of like constructive position on climate change. And then at the same time within News Corp, people I spoke to said um, James Murdoch had a bit of an influence on his father's thinking. And James was quite interested in making um, News Corp more sustainable and moving towards like carbon neutrality. So that was also a factor. And the reason that, that really we, we know um, a lot of this exists is because starting in about 2006, News Corp started making disclosures to a group called the Carbon Disclosure Project. And it's now known as CDP. And basically CDP it collects voluntary disclosures from all sorts of corporations. And in those disclosures, News Corp describes some of the financial risks that it faces due to climate change, what those types of extreme events might um, cost the company. And then 
some of the things that News Corp was actually doing to lower its carbon footprint, such as moving towards more renewable energy or becoming more energy efficient. So anyway, News Corp has been filing these things for 15 years. There's hundreds and hundreds of pages of documents that really reveal its thinking about climate change at the corporate level. And then when you contrast that with um, how Murdoch media outlets report on the crisis, there's a very big gap between those two sides of the company. So when you're talking about those um, carbon disclosures, they were actively taking steps to ensure that how they operated reduced their own carbon footprint. These are things like um, solar panels, reducing plastics. What were some of the other examples of things that they were doing that were, were concrete steps that showed that they wanted to reduce their impact in that sense? Um, well, yeah, definitely some of the examples that, that you mentioned. Um, there were other things based on just improving um, efficiencies at the company. Um, News Corp, even um, through some of its Hollywood studios, produced films with environmental messages such as Avatar. And the the crucial thing to realize is that the whole time that News Corp was taking these actions, um, there were real financial incentives for them to do it. Um, Rupert Murdoch has said over the years, this sort of stuff saved the company tens of millions of dollars. And so um, I, I don't think the company would have moved in that direction if, if it couldn't have, have made some money doing so. Um, and and that, that kind of gets to a broader explanation for why the company acts like it does. Because on the one hand, it takes climate change very seriously. It's trying to avoid some of the negative impacts. Um, and it's saving money in the process. And then at the same time, outlets, especially as represented by like Fox News or some of the other really far right things, they're serving their audience's version of the world that says climate change is not that serious. It's just basically a product of like out of control, like liberals and socialists trying to like impose their version of the world on you. And that type of message is very profitable for the company in terms of viewers and, and ad dollars. And so whether the company is seriously studying climate change or spreading denial about it, at the end of the day, all of that is helping it make money. And I think that's, that's what this comes down to. Yeah, I think there's a sense among people, they think that Rupert Murdoch and his outlets here in Australia and the US take this tack because of ideology, like that Rupert's an ideologue, whereas I sort of take the line and, and this sort of, affirms that I guess is that he's just a mercenary you know he will do whatever he needs to to make money where there's profit then that's where he will push and I, I sort of wonder what you think the genesis of that transition was at least on Fox News and and in turn here in the Australian and other News Corp outlets do you think they just initially through their sort of reactionary commentary at throw something out there um, and for this example you know early on climate change denial and if it resonates and it rates then that becomes a baton that they run with quite aggressively in this case yeah i mean i i think 
like even from the early days when Rupert Murdoch had made climate change a priority for the company, there was definitely pushback um, from some people at various media outlets like Andrew Bolt, who I'm sure you're aware of in Australia. <laughs> um, he was at that 2006 conference where Al Gore spoke and Andrew Bolt got into to a huge like argument with Al Gore at the time. And in the U.S., to your point about sort of figuring out what resonates and runs with it, in the late 2000s, after Obama got elected, there was a a huge right-wing backlash to that that sort of culminated in the Tea Party movement. And a big thing about the Tea Party people is that they tended to be hardcore climate change deniers. And so Fox News at the time was reporting aggressively on the Tea Party, and it resulted in huge ratings for Fox. So at certain points, you know, Fox anchors would literally be at Tea Party events, getting the crowd riled up and then running um, TV spots on it. And so right around that time, um, one of the the higher ups at Fox, who was in charge of news, sent out this memo to a lot of Fox employees saying, it's not our place as journalists to assert that climate change is real. We should stress uncertainty in all our coverage of it. And I don't think it's too hard to see that position as reflecting what the network was covering in terms of the the Tea Party and and the shift towards denial. And so, you know, at a certain point, like 2006, 2007, there was a lot of mainstream interest among conservatives in talking constructively about climate change. But by 2010, all of the momentum was towards the hardcore denial. And I think a lot of Murdoch media coverage reflected that back to its audience. So we know that Murdoch personally was taking it seriously as early as 2006 and they were doing what they could as a business, but then also they were profiting from the, the outrage and the tension, the ratings that come with the denial that, you know, was sort of red meat to their audience. How do you explain, though, the shift in the rhetoric that Rupert was sharing outwardly, say, on social media and in interviews by the mid 2010s you know we see on his social media him sort of mocking and making fun of the climate change movement so then it becomes not just something that's happening on the networks and in the newspapers but something that he has sort of taken on board and is overt with himself I mean yeah it's kind of confusing (laughs) Um, but I, I think the you know the the best way to understand what was going on or at least to me in in the course of my reporting was just to keep reading these hundreds of pages of disclosures to the CDP that News Corp was making. So as during that period that you described when Rupert Murdoch himself was sort of starting to mock climate change a bit in public, News Corp was still filing um, stuff every year that said climate change is, is a huge threat to the company. Um, it's, it's something we have to take seriously. And, and there's, in the course of my reporting, I found a few like dramatic examples of that. So for example, in 2012, Hurricane Sandy hit New York, a huge disaster. And the Wall Street Journal in its opinion section ran multiple pieces saying, essentially, it's irresponsible to link this disaster to climate change. We just don't know 
um, scientists disagree. So that same year, News Corp filed a disclosure to CDP where it said Hurricane Sandy is likely a climate-related event. Um, it costs us this much in disruptions and losses. So News Corp internally is directly contradicting what it's the opinion side of the Wall Street Journal and other outlets are saying. And same thing happened in Australia during those um, terrible bushfires that took place in 2020. So, of course, the, the Australian was, was running things, you know, blaming arsonists and environmentalists for starting the fires. Internally, News Corp was filing disclosures um, referring to those fires as a quote-unquote climate related event and on top of that the company said that it was actually leading like safety training exercises for its employees to to protect them from climate disasters like um, bushfires and so in in that sense the company has been extremely consistent for the last 15 years despite what what Rupert Murdoch has said in public. Mm. Talking about consistency I, it feels like in America, that line hasn't changed, that Fox News and um, maybe Wall Street Journal are still running that pretty strong climate denialism line. Here, maybe in the last, I don't know, two months, there has been a shift that's been reported in, in a lot of media. They've been pretty coy about it in the Australian and the Daily Telegraph and equivalent News Corp tabloids. But the reality is it looks like it's happening. Um, and so we talk about consistency. They have seemed locally to have decided that they're going to shift the narrative around man-made global warming and climate change um, and not be as hardline. What would you propose that change comes from do you suspect that they've just sort of read the pulse of the nation and this is more about populism and than about you know any sudden ideological eureka moment i mean i i would love to know the calculus that went into that decision <laughs> i'm sure there were some very interesting meetings within the company but i mean what what i can say is you know like i was talking about earlier the company has known for a very long time how serious the climate emergency is. And News Corp has, has even, you know, been a leader in that on the corporate side. So CDP gives them A grades almost every year for their disclosures. And I interviewed someone at CDP and said, you know, as far as a media company that understands and is acting on climate change, News Corp is like right there at the top. I think the other piece of this is that, you know, Rupert Murdoch is a very astute observer of public opinion. And I think you can see in all these moments throughout the company's history that the way that it's covered issues has sort of adapted to these, these big tectonic shifts in public opinion. And so I, I mean, I can only speculate as much as the next person about why some of the Australian outlets are moving in this more constructive direction. But I, I don't think anything big at the company happens randomly or without a lot of thought and, and research behind it. And I would suspect 
that we're coming into an era where public opinion is swinging so far in favor of um, concern and urgency for big action on climate change that, um, you know, maybe News Corp just feels it, it has to move in this direction. But then, of, of course, you know, we've, we've seen this before in 2006 and 2007. So who's to say that if the politics shifted in a more denial direction again, the, the media outlets wouldn't also move that way? You're originally from Canada. You're living in the States. Uh, I'm in Australia. The three countries seem to have a pretty similar type of opposition in terms of making you know, concrete changes and commitments in terms of our net carbon targets and also just the arguments that we hear against any type of movement on emissions reduction action. When you look at the UK, though, that's a country that's been led by a conservative government for a long time. They seem to have managed to navigate that um, either through a different type of rhetoric within their party or just because they've got different pressures on their energy economy. What would you speculate is going on there that, that's so remarkably different in the UK where, you know, the, the right wing hold power and have for so long versus the type of progress and language that we're seeing from our leaders? I think the main difference with the UK is that they don't have a powerful fossil fuel industry. I think that's ultimately what it comes down to because there there's been a lot of climate change denial in in the UK like there are like there is in Australia and the US and Canada but the the crucial thing to realize is that um the denial only persists so long as there's serious power behind it and so um if you look at Australia you know coal is not doing so well but the coal lobby is still very powerful and influential um, oil and gas industry in in the U.S. I mean, it's we're home to, um, to Exxon and Chevron, some of the most powerful companies in the world. And in Canada is is home to the the tar sands, you know, massive oil operation. So as as long as these centers of political and economic power exist, um, the denial um, will continue to be spread throughout media because it, it stands into um, a certain section of the political and economic elite not wanting to take the aggressive steps that we need to take. Whereas in the UK, those fossil fuel interests don't really exist in the same way. So the denial is more just empty words. There's no power behind it. And it's, it's much easier to, to move past that. Yeah, that's an amazing point. Uh, just finally, before we let you go, on a personal level, having covered this for 12 years, you've seen probably a lot of false dawns, a lot of moments where there's been hopelessness. What is your view going forward? Do you think we're getting closer to some real action globally I mean, and in America and in Australia? Or do you think the, the new obstructionism is just we'll just delay the inevitable for as long as possible? Is that where we're at? I mean, that's the, that's really like the big question. Um, and there, I mean, yeah, over the last like 10 or so years, I've been writing about this. There's been a lot of moments of real optimism followed by a lot of cynicism and, 
<laughs> and wondering like, where do we go from here? But I, I think something has um, dramatically shifted. Um, and you could even see that this summer here in the United States, people responding to these unprecedented wildfires and hurricanes and other disasters. I think climate change felt more real to a bigger section of the population than it ever has. And that's starting to be reflected in the politics. So what, what the Biden administration is proposing is like a three and a half trillion dollar spending plan with all sorts of climate provisions in it that if it passed would be the biggest thing that the US or really any major like economic power has ever done on climate change. So no nobody knows what's what's ultimately gonna become of that. But um I just think the the fact that we're having this conversation about this level of ambition at this moment kind of speaks to how much the conversation and the political and economic realities have changed. And so in that sense, I feel good, but there's still a lot of people who are just like being dragged into this new future kicking and screaming. <laughs> and Murdoch's media outlets have given them a huge platform over the years. Yeah, I mean, it looks promising, but if we've learned anything, it's to maybe temper our expectations. Thanks for your time today, Jeff. That's been amazing. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show. Jeff Dambecki there, whose work you can find online, including features in Vice and Rolling Stone, and who's also got a brilliant book coming out soon about climate denial in the oil sands. Look, it's pretty shocking stuff, and, and one can only imagine where we might be without that vandalist spectre of the Murdoch Empire and its tentacles infecting everything. We're back tomorrow. As always, thanks for listening, and join us then as we break down the news on Todaily.